0: Well, this morning, um, we're going to talk about a, a song. You know, good song. a good song will preach. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me give you an example. Okay. Um, jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. You see, that's a terrible song. You can't preach anything from that song. But a good song will preach. And... Um, a good song uh, that was on my heart is the one up there. Be Thou My Vision. How many of you know that that hymn? Amen. That that's an that's an awesome hymn, and um, the Lord put it on my heart. You know, uh, when we were in when we were in China, uh, teaching English songs was one of the most effective ways we had of sharing the gospel to our Chinese students and friends. Um, it's just a good song. There are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, that's uh, Pastor Nick used to talk about the fact that um, people, Christians, learn um, a lot of doctrine from the worship songs that we sing. And that's why at COC, we're careful about choosing which songs we sing, right? Because people, you know, music has power. Um, to go into the heart and uh, into the memory of the mind. And when we sing, uh, truths get uh, rehearsed over and over in our minds. And um, so our music choices are important, right? Uh, The message that we listen to and sing really gets down into our hearts. So I've invited Debbie this morning to, because uh, she's got a more beautiful voice than I do uh, she's going to sing this song to us, she's going to sing it verse by verse verse 1 be
1: thou my vision O Lord of my night, waking, or oh sleeping, thy presence my light.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> so the, the language in this hymn is a little bit old. So, you know, when I first heard this, that second line, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Kind of sounds a little bit like a jumble of words. What does it mean? I, another, in modern language, we might say, let everything else be nothing, worthless, compared to your presence with me. And what a, what a, what a great thought. Oh Lord, be my vision. What if, if we could just see the Lord as he is relating to our situation? What would that be like? What, how would that change us? Or if, if we could just see everything the way he does, how would it change us? You know, you heard the old Chinese proverb about the frog in the well? Uh, well, it's, it's famous, but... Maybe it's more famous in China. Um, <laughs> it said, you know, if there's a frog in the bottom of the well, what he sees of the sky is extremely limited, right? And when, when a, a bird flew up and told him about the sea and everything that is out there, he, he had a hard time imagining it and believing it, right? And we are like that frog in the well as far as what we see of what's going on around us, spiritually speaking and otherwise. Um, compared to what God sees, the vision that he has. Um, our, our vision is so limited. Um, we, we don't see the big picture, just a small part. But God totally knows the big picture surrounding us, amen? And he's revealed to us, he's revealed himself to us, and he's invited us to be shepherded, to be led by him through this life because he sees the big picture. He understands what we need to know. Um, so as far as God being our vision, I, gotta, I have a few questions for you. Do you see yourself as Jesus does? Or how, who do you think you are? I'll give you a few. This is multiple choice here. Do you see yourself as a worm? Do you see yourself as the boss? A victim? A rising star? A sham? A pretty good person. Ugly? Beautiful? A success? A failure? A clown? The answer man? A liability? an asset, maybe invisible. There are a lot of ways we see ourselves sometimes, right? How does God see us? That's the important thing. Right. Are you the beloved child of the king? Are you a friend of God? Are you a faithful servant? Are you a <laughs> sheep following the good shepherd? How many problems in my life would change? What would change in my life if I could just see myself the way Jesus sees me, amen? amen? How about other people? Do you see other people the way Jesus does? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about this morning, Trina was talking about Richard Wurmbrand, and I found like myself getting angry at, at the way they were treating him. And I and I and I thought, well God, is that your heart? I don't I I know God is upset with sin, but that but He still loved those those men, those people that were persecuting him. Um, do we see other people around us as Jesus does? How do you see people? Do you see them as blessings? You see them as burdens? Do you see them as sources for what you need? Trophies for you to win? competition do you see them as enemies or do you see them as allies do you see them as step to get to where you want to go or do you see them as brothers and sisters you know Jesus Jesus loves other people ask the Lord we need to ask the Lord to give us uh, to help us to love people by seeing him the way he does. Uh, yesterday, uh, this weekend, we're taking care of a couple young children of a friend of ours and little girl was sick. And uh, so Dave Martin came over and prayed for her yesterday. And as he was praying, he was listening to the Holy Spirit and he just started smiling and laughing and he just, uh, I, um, correct me if I'm wrong he just said just the love that god god has for for little children and uh you know the holy spirit gave him a gave him god's vision for this little girl right how he he could feel the heart of god and that's what isn't that what we need for the people around us Another thing to think about is how do you see your circumstances? Do we see them the way Jesus does? Let me bring up a couple of, uh, several common things. Um, Self-pity. Self-pity is a cancer. It can suck the life out of us. You know, we we start to feel sorry for ourselves because of our situation. What does Jesus say? He says... Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Is that right? Another uh, way of seeing ourselves that can be a problem is pride. Right? Pride. That pride is an illusion. You know the Lord. The Lord says this in the book of James. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That that gives us some perspective, right? It kind of knocks down our pride a notch if we have that trouble. Um, Another thing when we look at our situation what we get caught in is greed. But greed is a trap. Uh, Jesus said this, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. That's how he sees things in our lives, possessions. And a big one, I think, that we have trouble with: fear and worry. How many of you have trouble with fear and worry? I do. They're cruel taskmasters, aren't they? Here's what Jesus says, just one of many things about fear. He says, "Do not be afraid, little flock." for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Isn't that unbelievable? This brother and sister have a problem with their house right now, but the Lord is saying, do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He also said, he who did not spare his own son for us, but gave him up for us all. How much more graciously will he not give us all things that we need? So we really need God's perspective. We need his to see things the, the way he does. We're, we're just like that frog in the well. And, uh, but he is definitely outside of the well. What we focus our vision on makes a big difference in our lives. Remember Peter, looking at the... The story of Jesus came walking on the water, right? And uh, Matthew 14:28 says, "Lord, if it's you," Peter replied, "Tell me to come, on, come to you on the water." "Come," he said. Uh, <laughs> so was Peter expecting that? I don't know. I think so. So then Peter got down out of the boat, walked out on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. You know, he he saw the wind. Uh, He saw what the wind was doing, right? He saw those circumstances around him. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You know, so faith is a really important thing in our lives. Whatever we go through, we need to trust the Lord. And you can't have faith if your eyes are not fixed on jesus it's really hard um but you know um you know we're not necessarily walking out on the water but jesus is calling us to live daily life step by step and there are a lot of circumstances where we need to trust the lord really every circumstance we really need to trust the lord and it's a step by step and if our eyes are not on jesus we tend to start to sink Um, but Jesus doesn't want us to sink. The good news is (laughs) that when Peter's eyes wandered and his faith uh, went down and he started going down, he did the smart thing and cried out to Jesus, and Jesus pulled him up. He didn't leave him that way, right? That's good news. Uh, You know, Jesus reminded us to be careful what we view Luke 11, 34 to 36, says this. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. So it's kind of like a, a light that shines inside your body. But when they're unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. Now, what's it when your eyes are healthy? You know, when you are viewing things that are good. Right, noble, excellent, praiseworthy, righteous, and not, not the wrong things, things that lead to fear, things that are sinful, things that are um, detrimental to you. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. So, um, you know, if you, if you talk with other people for a while, if you get in a conversation with a person long enough, uh, you really know what they view, don't you? And the question is, what do people hear about when they talk with you? You know, what's that? It's reflecting that light that's shining in you. What, what are you letting in you through your eyes? Your physical eyes, also your your spiritual and emotional eyes what you're thinking about what you're meditating on um what are you allowing within you because um that that affects your heart out of your the overflow of your heart your mouth speaks what's your vision on well we're going to move on to verse two debbie
1: Be Thou my wisdom, and Thou my two-word. I ever with Thee, and Thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I Thy two-son.
0: Be my wisdom. Do you, think about, do you ever think about all of the radiation waves that are traveling through the air around you and actually through you? Uh, uh, radio waves, TV broadcasting waves, uh, cell phone signals, and uh, cosmic rays. Yeah, internet, Wi-Fi stuff. All of that stuff is traveling through the air, right? And if you have the right equipment, you can pick it up, right? It's, but it's all traveling, traveling through here. This, so this room uh, is full of voices, all the time. We're just not tuned into them all, right? Well, that's, you know, similarly. Every day we are bombarded by all sorts of messages, traveling all around us. Uh, and through us all the time. voices And and there are contradicting voices, philosophies, uh, invitations to do this and that, orders to do this and that, Uh, what we should do, what we should think, how we should believe on just about every subject. You know what I mean? We are bombarded with voices from people, from media, from uh, things we are looking at and listening to, things we encounter, and also from the spiritual world from God, from the Holy Spirit, uh, and also from the enemy. And uh, so there's all kinds of wisdom that's around. Uh, so the question is, in every situation of your life, whose word and whose wisdom do you believe? Some of the, some of the main choices we have about the confident declarations of the educated experts. For example, the doctor or the teacher uh, or um, the person who's uh, being interviewed on the news. Then there's the intimidating voice of the enemy. You know, he tries to speak to us. Uh, Fear is one of his main tactics. Discouragement as well. That voice uh, comes to all of us. The popular opinion of the majority, that's a big one. And then there's the non-conforming voice of the minority. Some of us prefer to listen to that one and are attracted to it. Um, What what you recently read online. (laughs) I know some knowledge, I figured it out because I read it online. You know, you can read a lot of stuff online. Did Did you ever get sick? or somebody in your family is sick or a loved one, so you go online to check the symptoms out. That's, that's something generally you don't really want to do unless you have a very trusted uh, medical source because you can become afraid of a lot of things by doing that. Um, and then, of course, there's your own intuition, your own appetites, your own feelings. And uh, the question is, all these voices coming at us, all these philosophies, from where do you get your wisdom? Whose signal are you tuning into? Well, let's look at what the Word of God says. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Sometimes it's very easy to... Rely on our understanding. But remember, we're like the frog in the well. And there's a lot of stuff we don't know. We think we know something, but we don't know a lot of important things. But he does. Isaiah 48, 17 and 18 says this. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. In other words, he's got good qualifications to be able to tell us what, tell us things. And this is what he says. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you who directs you in the way you should go if only you had paid attention to my commands your peace would have been like a river your well-being like the waves of the sea so you know he's he's saying have you have you checked me for wisdom have you checked me for direction for what you ought to do. Because if you, and in this case, he was looking back and he's saying, first of all, one way of direction is my commands, which are found in my word. Have you followed them? Because that's my wisdom for you. And if you would have uh, paid attention to them, you would have had peace like a river. You know, that peace that keeps on going, a river keeps flowing, uh, doesn't, doesn't stop, doesn't dry up. Or well-being like the waves of the sea? Think about that. We all want well-being, right? And something good happens to us, but how are the waves of the sea? They keep on coming. When, think about when you've been at the beach, if you have. Those waves don't stop coming, right? That's, that's an awesome promise, that your well-being will be like the waves of the sea. And that comes from... Uh, listening to what the Lord teaches us, following his directions on the way we should go. So, a question is, how do you recognize the wisdom that is from the Lord? James 3.17 describes it. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Are those things uh, generally the way people are in the world? It's kind of contrary to, to the normal way of thinking, the normal way of how am I going to be successful? How am I going um, to, to take control in this situation? What do I need to do? it's it seems uh it kind of seems weak doesn't it but this is god's wisdom so if we are going to recognize um we'll say it's submissive god's wisdom is pure does what's right it's peace loving submissive Uh, how can that be because in those ways you are tapping into god's power you are submitting yourself to God and, and letting him be the one who brings the success in your life. Uh, in John 16, Jesus talked about the wisdom he wants to give us, talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth all right so he's talking about the holy spirit that he was going to send the holy spirit now we we know that we are christians we have the holy spirit but a lot of times we're a little bit ignorant about what he does but you see how jesus is describing him as a person that he is sending to us and what what is one of his main jobs here to communicate to us what we need to know on a day-by-day basis, maybe an hour-by-hour or minute-by-minute basis. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. In other words, what he hears from the Father or Jesus from heaven. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so... This is an awesome promise. How much do we take advantage of the fact that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, in other words, truth, knowledge, what is right and true, things that we don't know, that he's dwelling in you, that you are one with him. Are we listening? Are we aware he's in us, walking with us? Are we talking to him as the day goes on? Are we asking him questions? You know, I'm talking to myself here. Am I too busy even to think about that? But do you realize the gift that he has given us in the Holy Spirit? Are we taking advantage of that wisdom, the fact that he's there to give us knowledge at any time? We can hear his voice. We just need to be tuning in. And finally, uh, where we get wisdom, Psalm 119, 105 says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so that's, that's also, he's given us his word written down in concrete form that we can know it, right? So we can judge things according to his word. So Lord, be my wisdom. Ready for ber- verse three, Debbie?
1: I heed not no man's empty prayer.
0: How many of you like treasure? Oh, Lord, be my treasure. You know, there, there are so many things in this world that attract our attention and our affections. What if, think about it in your heart for a second. What, what is valuable to you? What do you think about? Actually, if you talk to somebody long enough, you kind of know what their treasure is as well, right? Uh, but think, think about the parable that Jesus told us about the wedding banquet, the one where the master sent his servants out to invite everybody to his wedding banquet. And think about how the people invited said, oh, no, sorry, I can't come. Because concerns like uh, their field that they bought, or the cows or oxen that they bought, or even a new bride they've just gotten married to, caused them, they caused them to reject the invitation that the master gave. You know, what is Jesus meaning when he tells that parable? Uh, and remember J- Jesus' parable about the sower and that some of the seed fell among thorns, in which he explained are the cares of this world, the things and the cares of this world, the desires, and uh, how they grew up and choked the word that had been sown and had begun growing. And I think Jesus gave those to us as warnings. And, and that, that be careful that the things in this world, maybe physical things, maybe monetary stuff, maybe it's um, other things that you desire. You know, it could be relationships. It could be uh, a, a level of success that you want to get to um, or something that you would want to do that those things can get out of balance to where they choke out his life, where they actually would even cause us to reject his invitation of, of our of relationship with him. And um, so these are serious warnings. So I ask you again, what is your treasure? If you could keep only one thing, what would it be? Well, let's see what some of the things the Bible says about treasure Matthew 6:19 to 21, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Yeah. No, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, that, that's, those are serious words too. We, want, we need to have our heart with Jesus, right? And, uh, and if we underst- understood this life compared to eternal life, how long that is and how imp- important that is, Actually, this life is extremely important, but it's also extremely short, right? But eternity in heaven is forever. And, and so, it's, so our goal that we live for day by day should not be for this life, right? It should be for eternity. And just the idea, you can store up treasure in heaven? You can. In other words, the things that we do... And acquire in this life have an effect on eternity how many of you know that God is the one who rewards not because we're so great but because he's so good he enables us to reward you know it's it's almost like when you give uh, allowance to your children you know sometimes they earn it but but a lot of times they don't you know but you give a lot of good things to your children just because you love them and, and, and then you set things up, you give them rewards for things they ought to have done in the first place, right? Um, and so, um, but again he's saying, this treasure concept is really important because your heart is going to be there and I want your heart with me, God says, and, and we want it, our heart with him also. That's, that's an extremely important word right there. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7, and also 17, uh, Paul writes this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you have godliness? Amen, through Jesus Christ, right? Uh, And by grace. Are you content? Are we content? No matter what situation, physical circumstances we're in. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. And we, we've seen both, right? We've had babies born recently. Um, and we've seen people pass on recently. And that's a, that's a constant reminder to us of that all the stuff in between in this life, it, it didn't come with us and it's not going with us. right? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth. I don't know too many of you who seem arrogant about your riches and I applaud you for that Um, but maybe one thing that uh, is more of a temptation for us is to put our hope in wealth and things which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment so you know it's not that things are bad in themselves but do, am I putting my hope in it? Am I basing my uh, who I am and my worth on what I, on the things that I own, or um, whether they're physical or other types of goals that we might have? And so I ask you again: Are you content? And what are you putting your hope in? Th- those are I'm asking a lot of questions in this message. And uh, so it, the purpose is to inspire us to really think about, think about these things. Finally, Philippians 3, 7-9, Paul writes, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. Have you lost all things? Paul knows he has lost all things, literally. There were times he literally lost all things. They left him under a pile of rocks outside the city. Right? Um, But there's a spiritual uh, aspect of losing all things. In other words, yeah, you possess them, but you you have put them into God's hands. They're not yours, right? And uh, so he says, compared to knowing Jesus, all the other things in my life are lost. In fact, I consider them garbage. Garbage. Do you consider everything that you have garbage? Not that it is garbage. You know, your relationships with people, they're not garbage, right? but comparatively speaking to knowing Jesus in your life, that's what he considers all the other things. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So Jesus is his treasure, and... So we pray the same thing. Be thou my uh, treasure. He's our inheritance. He is our treasure. Last
1: verse. I, King of heaven, my victory won.
0: Victory. How many of you enjoy victory? Oh Lord, be my victory. How many of you are fighting in a battle? That's everybody, right? We don't always recognize it, but the Christian life is a battle. And sometimes uh, when the battle gets difficult, it's tempting to give up. How many of you have ever been tempted to give up in a certain aspect of the battle? Uh, I think we all have. It's a temptation. I was listening to a sermon by Bill Johnson the other day, and he said this. He said, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, not to fail, but to triumph, right? Didn't the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, uh, which, was, which was a battle, right? He was, the purpose was to be tempted by the devil, but the purpose was also to triumph. And you can't triumph without a battle, can't have victory without any battle so sometimes we have a battle and we think what's the matter oh you can't triumph without a battle you can't have victory without a battle that's, that's very simple but we don't always remember that next time you're in spiritual conflict remember this scripture this is these are bill johnson's words he prepares a table before me a table represents intimacy me and jesus In the presence of my enemies, the enemy wants me to be devil conscious. And as long as I am devil conscious, I don't know that I am in the most intimate moment of my life with God, that is. Here is the opportunity for a depth in Christ that I have no access to outside. I don't have this measure of access to him outside the problem. In other words, God will lead us into battles in order to give us, uh, first of all, opportunity for greater intimacy with him. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And he also leads us into battles so that we can have the victory. And we can grow, which is part of the victory. Um, I... I, I'm a history buff. How many of you know the Battle of the Bulge in World War II? Famous, famous name. Uh, the Battle of the B- in December of 1944, uh, the Allies were pushing back the Nazis through e- through Europe, and they were backed up up pretty much against the border of Germany, and uh, that really the allied victory seemed all but assured. They were trying to predict, you know, are we gonna be home by Christmas time? And um, that didn't stop Hitler from planning a last ditch counteroffensive. Even his commanding generals thought it was crazy. There was no, they thought there's no hope. We don't have the resources. We don't have the soldiers. We don't have the tanks to accomplish what Hitler was planning but you know Hitler was crazy he was desperate and so uh, on December 16th the surprise and shock of that German attack was total and the the American First Army was uh, thinly spread through uh, this place called the Ardennes forest and it was cold these GIs were in cold wet foxholes and it had just been a daily routine the enemy was over there but they were in trouble well one day the enemy just came full force at them and and shock and surprise they were driven back in disarray and uh, it was that at that, that battle, that situation was the highest rate of American casualties of any battle in the war. And here in the middle of victory, this, this huge attack and this, this huge loss of life and um, attack against them. Um, but we know what happened. The Allies had a much superior force. They regrouped. And It took an extra five weeks, but they they drove the Nazis back. They retook what they had lost and the enemy had spent everything that they had. They'd spent their resources and they were broken and and the Allies just rolled into Berlin within within a couple months by by the beginning of May they had officially surrendered and um, you know, that's a picture for us. I think that's a good example for us. You know, the enemy is going to attack us. <laughs> but God, through the attack, God is going to win the victory. And our, what we have to do is just remember which side we are on and that we have the victory and who is on our side and stand firm and, uh, and the victory will come. Jesus won the victory, amen? Amen. How many of you know he went through a big battle to win the victory? And the cross seemed like the lowest point, but that was the moment of victory, right? And how did he endure that? It says, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His eyes were fixed on his father. His eyes were fixed on the victory that he knew he would have. And he, the amazing thing is the joy that was before him was having us with him for eternity, united as one with him and the father. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Is the joy of knowing him and his reward for you set before you? And do you think of him as you face each day? I think that's what this song is about. This song will preach. Um, Recently in my quiet time, I felt like the Lord said this. All you need is me. And my desire for you is to be wholly devoted to me. Your times and your purposes and circumstances are in my hands. I have called you to serve me but as a son or as a daughter. Let me be your all in all. Like an infant or toddler is fixed on his mother and, or father. Got that image? You've seen, we've all seen that, right? Do not stray from your source and sustenance, for I am your good father who truly and faithfully loves you. O oh Lord, be our vision. O Lord, be our wisdom. O Lord, be our treasure. O Lord, be our victory. Uh, in the coming season, maybe the beginning of next year, we've been talking as elders, we're going to, I think, start, we'll be preaching about a lot of the attributes of God and uh, who is this God who we are to focus our vision on. Um, as we move into that time, let us make that, uh, the cry of this song the personal cry of our own hearts to know him better, to hear and meditate on his word, and to fill up our outlook with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that you desire to be everything for us. Turn our eyes toward you. Lord, we pray that you turn our eyes toward you. Lord, we we repent for when we have not focused on you. You have not been our vision. When we have um, chosen to believe and follow other wisdom that's contrary to yours. Um, For putting other things as a treasure greater than you in our lives. And for um, turning and, and running when the battle gets difficult. Lord, we pray um, that we would know you better, that we would see you more clearly. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who wants to speak your word to us every day. Thank you for your word that you've given us. Thank you for your presence in our lives. And we, most of all, we thank you for the victory that you have promised, that your word says will happen. It's not a, it's not a question of whether it will happen. Grant us your grace to walk with you. Thank you that you are a shepherd. We shall not want. Amen.